0: Welcome back to I Made a Biology Podcast Help Me Study. Today I'm starting Unit 5, Topic 5.1 Evidence for Evolution. Evolution, in its most fundamental way, is described as a change over time. And it's when heritable characteristics are encoded for by genes and can be transferred between generations as alleles. So, evolution describes the cumulative changes that occur within a population between generations. A concise definition for biological evolution is a change in the allele frequency of a population's gene pool over successive generations. Fossil records provide evidence for evolution. The fossil record provides this evidence by revealing the features of an ancestor, and it allows for the comparison against the living descendants. A fossil is defined as the preserved remains or traces of any organism from the remote past. Preserved remains, so body fossils, are going to provide direct evidence of ancestral forms such as bones, teeth, shells, leaves, etc. And traces of these fossils will provide indirect evidence of ancestral forms, and that would be footprints, tooth marks, burrows, and feces. The fossils highlight any changes that have occurred in the features of living organisms over time. Although fossils can provide clues as to evolutionary relationships, they are incomplete. Fossilization requires an unusual set of specific circumstances in order to occur, meaning that very few organisms become fossils, so it doesn't show all the organisms that once lived. Only the hard parts of an organism will be preserved, and fragments of the body will remain undiscovered, so it won't provide a full view of that organism. So with limited fossil data, it might be difficult to really deduce whether an evolutionary pattern was formed between these um, specific organisms, so there are missing links. Transitional fossils demonstrate the intermediary forms that occurred over the evolutionary pathway taken by a single genus. So that means the different stages of evolution. They establish the links between species by exhibiting traits common to both an ancestor and its predicted descendants. So it connects an ancestor to the living organisms. Moving on to selective breeding. This is a form of artificial selection, whereby a man intervenes in the breeding of species to produce desired traits in offspring. By breeding members of a species with the desired trait, the frequency of the trait will become more common in the successive generations. Selective breeding provides evidence of evolution as targeted breeds can show significant variation in a relatively short period of time. So it shows that because this reproduction occurs and because the frequency of the allele increases, Evolution is possible. Examples of selective breeding of domesticated animals can be seen in horse, cows, and dogs. The sharing of certain structural features in different organisms implies common ancestry. So, when anatomical features are similar in the basic structure despite having different functions, they are called homologous structures. The more similar in the homologous structures between the two species, the more closely related they're likely to be. Homologous structures illustrate adaptive radiation, whereby several new species rapidly diversify from an ancestral source, with each new species adapted to utilize a specific unoccupied niche. So because they come from the same ancestor, they have similar structures, but they've been adapted to their own environment and have different functions. An example of this is expressed by the pentadactyl limb. This is where mammals, birds, amphibians, and reptiles all share a similar arrangement of bones in their appendages based on a five-digit limb. Although they have similar bone arrangements, the limbs are very different, and the use of these are also very different. So, For example, human hands are adapted for tool manipulation, bird and bat wings are adapted for flying, horse hooves are adapted for galloping, and whale and dolphin fins are adapted for swimming but all of these parts have the pentadactyl limb structure. Therefore, one can deduce that they have a common ancestor. Within a population of any given species, there is going to be genetic variation. And variation is inheritable because different traits will be passed on to offspring. If populations become geographically isolated, then they will experience different ecological conditions, or at least they're likely to experience different ecological conditions. And over time, these two populations, which were once very similar, are going to change because they will will adapt to the different environment and they will diverge from one another. The degree of divergence will depend on the extent of geographical separation and the amount of time since they've been separated. Populations that are located in close proximity and are separated recently are going to show less variation, so that means less divergence. And distant populations that have been separated for a long period of time are going to show more variation, therefore more divergence. The more time that they spend apart, the more time that they have to become different and adapt to their specific environment and threats. As the genetic divergence between the related populations increase, their genetic compatibility will decrease. This means that they are less likely to be able to interbreed. Eventually, the two populations will diverge to an extent where they can't interbreed at all, and if they return to a shared environment, they would be considered different species. So when two populations can no longer interbreed and produce fertile viable offspring, they are considered separate species. Therefore, the process by which two related populations diverge into separate species is known as speciation. The last understanding in topic 5.1 is about the development of melanistic insects in polluted areas. So peppered moths exist in two distinct forms, a light-colored version and a darker-colored variant. In an unpolluted environment, trees are covered by a pale-colored lichen, and that provides camouflage for the lighter moth. So the lighter moth is suited to its environment because it can blend in to the lighter environment. In a polluted environment, sulfur dioxide is going to kill this lichen, and soot will blacken the bark. Therefore, it provides camouflage for the darker moth, because the darker moth can blend in better to the darker environment. The frequency of these two different forms of peppered moths is very much dependent on their environment, and it it evolves as the conditions change. So before the Industrial Revolution, the environment was largely unpolluted, so the lighter moth had a survival advantage, because it could camouflage and hide from predators. But after the Industrial Revolution, the environment became heavily polluted, and that made it easier for the dark peppered moth to survive and more difficult for the lighter peppered moth to survive. However, recent environment policies in Europe are reducing pollution, and that's altering the frequency of the two populations once again. So what this example shows is how a different trait is going to help a different organism survive in the environment, and it's going to affect the allele frequencies over time because they have a survival advantage. So that wraps up topic 5.1. Evidence for evolution.